Okay, everybody, I'm going to keep it a little bit casual today and talk about online dating a little bit. And it's become ubiquitous, especially during the pandemic, given that a lot of people are isolated in their own houses or have failed to find ways to meet people naturally. And what I mean by naturally is either through their college, university, through friends, in the park, bars, a lot of methods that people rely upon to meet people face-to-face rather through a digital interface. And I think that we take for granted a lot of the ways that we meet people online. That is, it used to be on Craigslist ads back in the day. In the 1950s, there was an American psychologist named Holly Harlow, and he performed an experiment with monkeys. This was the famous rhesus monkey experiment in which he demonstrated a need for maternal affection. And he did that by basically setting up a wire figurine vaguely resembling the monkey's mother and a cuddly figure that looked more like the real mother of the monkey. Now the catch here was that the wire figurine dispensed milk to the monkey with physiological need for the monkey. However, it didn't have any semblance to its own mother, whereas the other one didn't dispense any milk, but it resembled someone that could give the monkey affection. The important finding here from this experiment was that the monkey that didn't provide milk was the preferred one. So Harlow demonstrated that the need for maternal affection trumps that of the physiological need for mother's milk. I wanted to start off the episode by talking about this experiment because I really believe that even in our adult lives, we have a emotional, a deeply felt need for affection and intimacy from other people. And I'm not quite convinced that people who go online on Tinder looking for partners for romantic relationships are entirely satisfied satisfy that need for affection. And what I mean by that is that I've rarely heard of serious relationships coming out of these apps. And I think there is a slight addiction to chasing the one, perhaps. Where could she be? Where could he be in this dating app? And it's the chase of the unknown that is very addictive to people using these apps so that once they find someone, they have a propensity to look towards the flaws in the other person. When they're not satisfied, it's almost a sort of relief to them because they can go back and continue that search, like scrolling on Instagram and searching for like that next dopamine hit. Now, I think the pandemic has really accelerated this transition towards online intimacy or the attempt at online intimacy. And I think one of the bigger implications is that we're interfacing with a completely novel landscape here. It's very difficult for the brain at a neurochemical level to distinguish from somebody who gives you a high five or a hug on the street and somebody who congratulates you in a tweet that's gone viral or somebody who has liked you on Tinder for that matter. I think that we use digital applications in an attempt to solve primitive natural problems and I don't think these quite map out onto each other for various reasons. I think that social media specifically has a tendency to be abused by people. And what I mean by that is technology addiction, people using Instagram incessantly or Tinder, looking for the one, looking for the next dopamine hit, or the most pernicious application of our lustful desires culminates in pornography addiction. Some of the effects that we see of of this on society nowadays is that there's a higher incidence of 
men who experience erectile dysfunction for various reasons, but my belief is really that among those is constant pornography addiction for that matter. A lot of people are generally more unsatisfied because they feel like they have unlimited access to the world. With the advent of mass communication, they can really reach out to anyone that they want and be in touch with anyone that they want at any moment of time. And this has other implications. It exaggerates our need for intimacy, for love, and the feeling of never being quite satisfied because there's always another possibility online to connect with somebody else. And I really believe that each social media application brings out some of the worst sins in us. And Instagram brings out our vanity. Pornhub brings out our lust. There is a certain slippery slope here. The more people live their lives digitally or online, the more that that online personality manifests itself in behavior in real life. So what do I mean by that? Somebody who, let's take somebody who has a pornography addiction, for example, and they are used to the way that they interface with sex through a more casual observer role. So what happens in real life is that come Friday night, they go to the bar and they see an attractive girl. And the only thing that they know, you know, the only experience that they've had growing up seeing women in this role, this docile sort of role in, in pornography videos, is they lack the knowledge to communicate with this woman or to approach her at the bar. They That's not something they've been necessarily taught. Now, there's been a whole industry that sprung up around this need for men to uh, basically improve their dating style. And it's like the whole pickup artist industry. That's a topic for another podcast episode. Technology addiction creates deficits in us, and these deficits manifest themselves in our daily life. We live two realities concurrently. One reality is that which is online. It's the reality of who we get to be the person that we always wanted to be that we cannot be in our day-to-day -day life. This could be the fact checker who knows it all in the comment section of a YouTube video. This could be the fervent OnlyFans user who develops a more intimate relationship to the woman that he watches on these videos. This could be the Instagram influencer, for that matter, if you have the skills to really advertise yourself online. I'm really interested in the applications of this to our day-to-day -day life. And I want to explore the asymmetry that goes on here with this technology dependence. And that is, the more we use technology, the more vulnerable we become to certain insecurities. I see a certain fragility coming up. Let's take, for example, something like Google Maps and people who are dependent upon Google Maps for navigating themselves in their own city every day to get from point A to point B, perhaps don't develop the ability to be reliant to figure out how to get to a location without Google Maps to ask people for directions. I think people are becoming more distanced from each other in a certain way. You can ask anybody from an older generation how they met. Try asking your parents, for example. I can almost guarantee you that a lot of successful relationships from the past started by a chance encounter. That is, they either met each other in high school or through mutual friends or at a club. A lot of these seemingly outdated methods have resulted in relationships that are stronger, that have lasted over the years. And I'm not seeing that to the same extent with 
relationships cropping up from online media or dating apps. Instead, what I'm seeing is a different pattern. I'm seeing a pattern of incessant dating app use in the pursuit of the one. And long gone are the days of marrying your high school sweetheart, or even if that is still possible, it's less probable than it used to be. And I have an interesting theory about people who don't feel love. And a little spoiler alert, that monkey in the experiment that I used earlier, the monkey who didn't get to have the cuddly doll, only got the wire figurine, that monkey ended up being crazy. That monkey ended up not having any maternal affection, so it became psychotic. And I'm seeing a similar pattern among people who perhaps grow up without any close relationships to their parents, grow up trying to supplant the need for physical affection or emotional affection with the affection that they garner online. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work because this is the punchline. This is what you got to figure out. It doesn't work because there's no one really there except for yourself. To the casual observer, you're staring at a little block in your hands. You smile a little bit, but physically you are alone. There's no one there. You might be writing to a friend of yours. You might send you a funny text message or something. You reply, LOL, but there's nothing to see on your face. The same goes when somebody likes your YouTube comment, when somebody likes you on Tinder. You experience joy internally, yet the joy that you experience internally is usually accompanied by a physical reward in some sense. That is somebody who hugs or kisses you or physical sex. That's why when you have an orgasm with somebody, they're Usually that is accompanied by some feeling of oxytocin. Yet this hormone oxytocin is generally absent when you orgasm in front of a computer or smartphone in your hands to pornography video. There is a general asymmetry going on here when you attempt to satiate these emotional needs, like the monkey with the wire figurine. And it leaves us dependent in a lot of ways. It leaves us vulnerable to further manipulation by people who want to influence us, by those who attempt to sell us products, who want to have us divulge into a tribalistic form of thinking. The modern struggle is marked by attempting to authentically live your life in an age of mass communication when it's harder and harder to understand what your true interests are. Now, there are scientists who are attempting to explain this evolutionary question, this idea that we are struggling to define what it means to be human in this digital landscape since the mind is not equipped to deal with the environment that we are living in today. It's certainly an interesting question. I don't think there's been much research done on it, but I do see a preponderance of mental health issues coming up and people struggling to form intimate relationships in a lot of ways if they are dependent upon social media or if they're feeling lonelier. I mean, it's pretty obvious, right, during the pandemic that mental health issues went up because we were so isolated from each other. And the question that I'm interested in exploring is the more we use phones, the more we interface with digital media, what physiological changes go on beneath the hood in our brains and the dopamine pathways that are becoming rewired in the age of indulgence. This is a question that Dr. Anna Lemke, a renowned psychiatrist who just wrote the book Dopamine Nation, I've had it recommended to me by a lot of friends, 
has written, and I wonder where this leads to for the next generation. So that's a little food for thought. Besides asking people to be mindful of the way they use digital media, because I think I'm beginning to repeat myself on this point on this podcast, I don't have an answer to this yet other than the life of a Luddite or seemingly living under a rock. There are solutions to this to mitigate the the addictive pull of social media. It begins with having a routine, staying consistent with this routine. This can be a morning routine like waking up, meditating, eating the same type of breakfast, or and avoiding using your phone until a specific time. But it becomes difficult for a lot of us who have remote jobs who are working at home all day in front of the computer and this is something that we will just see more of, more problems will crop up, more of these technology addictions. And we're going to struggle to be fulfilled, whether that's romantically or in our careers, the more we interface with other people online, because no one could have predicted this level of mass communication that is omnipresent in most of the world today. So this podcast is not a radical rejection technology. Like I said, I'm not a Luddite after all. You probably listening to this podcast on Spotify or other means, but it's really just a plea to live more consciously with ubiquitous devices that pervade both the public and private spheres of our lives. Having this honest conversation with yourself might be uncomfortable in the beginning, but it's necessary. And after all, we're just monkeys who need affection. So I will end this podcast with a quote from Sun Tzu, who was a famous Chinese general and military strategist, and that is, all warfare is based on deception. The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. So with that, I'll leave that somewhat mysterious quote for you guys to think about and enjoy the rest of your day.